welcome to another fine episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. So fine. So fine. As opposed to the course episode. Coming to you from the plush headquarters of Flyby West Music Studios here in beautiful... I want to know how... What? I want to know how many people looked it up on the internet after you gave such beautiful descriptions <laughs> last week of the interior. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we actually have it set up so that if we wanted to have a studio audience, if people wanted to sit on the other <laughs> side of the glass that is true. and watch, that is true. they could do it. If they wanted to come when we're recording and mm-hmm. watch us record a podcast, they can sit on fine uh, designer furniture. Yes. Right? I, I would feel like a black mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> And there's actually, <laughs> have you seen, there's, there's, um, there's a coffee machine and the wet bar and everything around the corner yeah. there. Oh, yeah. 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 So they could watch and I style. see an admission, an admission charging event. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. All right. And joining us from, his, from the closet in his dingy basement in Atascadero, <laughs> California, <laughs> is Aaron Porter. Uh, actually, no, no. Yeah. There's actually sunlight on your face, Aaron. Sunlight <laughs> on my eyeballs makes me happy. <laughs> yes, hey, uh, there, there's, yeah. Where, no, where? I, I, it is a mess in here right now. I've been trying to finish an album, so I've just, you know how it is, Mondo, when oh, every yeah. chord you have is out. And, yeah. and you know I've been busy because I have two and a half big V8 bottles uh, filled with urine. So they don't have to leave here and go in the house. So that's how you know I've had a busy week. Boat life with Aaron Porter. (laughs) We're back to that. I have not consumed any of this urine. but And I don't know if the V8, you know, aftertaste would help or hinder. I I don't know. Should probably give that a shot. Uh, I I am connecting with our guest right now. Okay. So... Continue to talk. All right. By all means. Just well, speaking discuss. of guests, we yes. have one this week. We do. Yeah, yeah. We Tony, have Tony Chris, the the man himself. Yeah. We're uh, connecting with him from Portland. Yeah. At least, I mean, that's where he's from, where he lives. I don't know if that's where he is right now. Yeah. We'll find out in yeah. just yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. 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 You guys may remember Tony's interview about this time last year. We talked about his book, Neighbors and Wise Men, and his ideas on community and faith and... Yeah, finger quotes evangelism. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to to hear what he has to say. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of been a little bit of a theme for us here. We had we had Tim Harlow just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and that was uh, that actually was a, that that's being that's being posted today. So <laughs> when you hear this, it will be last week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There right. Tony's hasn't been posted yet. Oh, that's right. But no, wait. They're they're hearing it now, so it has been posted. I retract that statement. <laughs> It, never mind. A little Just back to the future action Our going time, on here. Yeah, time warp we issues to, are weird. And that concludes today's exercise in the relativity of time. <laughs> uh, Aaron, who, by the way, if you want to know how we're having such an uh, animated and direct conversation with Aaron when he is separated from us by thousands of miles, it's because uh, he is present in the studio full screen via Skype. And I noticed... <laughs> I noticed a wonderful coffee cup there. It looks like English bone china. What? It, not oh, a mug, yeah, not no, a manly no. mug, but like a teacup. It's a it, proper cup. Indeed. I, I, it is a proper cup. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, I am actually here. I'll just show you this. I am down to my last, uh, where's the camera, Ethiopian tea bag. 
Okay. Uh, that I drank when picking up my son in Ethiopia, oh. and I can only get them when I go down to Little Ethiopia in Los Angeles, and it is delightful. Huh. I highly recommend it. Get Adis tea. That's A D D I S T in unique stores near you. <laughs> really? Nice. You know what? I'm going to the world market uh, myself a little later on this afternoon. I will look for Adis tea and see if I can get some. Yeah, totally. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Well, let's let's pause for a moment. We're going to get our guest on the line, and uh, we'll have a good interview chat with Tony about his book that just came out, Aloof. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle, and we'll drink up behind it, yo ho. We kidnap and drive it, and don't give a ho, drink up behind it, yo ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast Pirate with our Monk. friend. Did I say Pirate Monk Podcast? Yes, you did. I did. Yeah. Oh, I, let's do that again. And then we're back on the. <clears throat> Pirate Monk podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> with uh, author and our friend Tony Kriz from his dining room in Portland, Oregon. Tony, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, hey, man. Tony, how did how did you think Newton did? This was the first time he's brought in a segment ever, I believe. Pretty much. W- was it awesome? The fact that you had to say Pirate Monk like four times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not as old as these guys, so my voice doesn't do that naturally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So go, go, go. We got a you've got you've got a book coming out. I do. Yeah. This is the hot news. Yeah. So January 13th, it'll be on shelves everywhere. Um, Pre-order now on any outlet, online outlet. Uh, It's called Aloof, and the subtitle is "Figuring Out Life with a God Who Hides." It's a book on. It's a theodicy book on mm-hmm. engaging a God who often seems utterly intangible. Mm-hmm. And what, what do we do with the unexpected moments when God does show up? And what do we do with the long gaps in between, those long aching gaps in between? Oh, wow. And it was, it was uh, inspired by my nephew who uh, was uh, three years old when he contracted cancer. Mm. So um, just kind of processing that with him. And so I'm really excited about the project. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited with how the book turned out. It's fantastic. Wow. So this is actually really good. Uh, the last few weeks we've been addressing the questions that are not uh, acceptable in church, that are scary in church. And I, I think everybody who's actually uh, pursued a relationship with God has had those moments where they say, uh, God definitely is not showing up. And so we, we create a lot of theologies that excuse God, that let God off the hook. So tell me about how you're addressing the fact that you don't need to let God off the hook. How do, how do you work that out? Yeah, so um, there's a couple angles to it. One of, the, one of the motivations for writing the book is my experience in religion is that we have this we have this pageant that we do from the stage and from the podium and from the choir loft. Mm-hmm. That God is always near me. I feel him touch me. I hear his voice. I blah, 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 blah. Pastors say, God spoke to me this week and he told me to preach X, Y, and Z. And they say it every week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Joe Smo is sitting in the pew in the moment, maybe inspired, but the second they walk out the door, they're going, "What the what the heck's wrong with me?" 
Mm-hmm. Why, why am I not having this experience? And um, that I think that pageant is both uh, disingenuous and it, um, it's causing a, a sort of famine faith among a lot of, of folks who want, who want to follow Jesus. But their experience doesn't line up with the rhetoric. It doesn't line up with the pageant. And so can we normalize and even just bring vocabulary to the fact that, holy smokes, I believe this thing. I say it defines my life. I say it's the most important thing to me and my family. And yet, by and large, there's little to no evidence to support the fact it's actually true mm-hmm. in my everyday so, life experience. So give an example. That's so huge, uh, creating vocabulary by which people can communicate the real experience. Can you give an example of what that would mean to people? Yeah, so so here's an example. There's, there's tons of examples, okay? So part of, it, part of the normalizing is to go, um, is to say, you're, so you're not alone. You're not alone if, if it feels like there are these humongous gaps between um, our vocabulary of faith or what happens in the pageant. And my, so uh, I, heard a, I heard a theology professor once, a seminary professor, say that there are only three generations, and all the generations covered in the Bible, which has got to be hundreds, there's only three generations where you can say God showing up was a normative experience. The, the time around Moses, normative, God showing up in regular, Elijah and Elisha, and then Jesus, and, um, but only the, fir- the last three years of his life, and then the first few chapters of the book of Acts. It's interesting, in the book of Acts, through the first third of the book of Acts, there are like miraculous God showing up, God speaking, God doing the unexpected all through the first third, almost every chapter, there's at least one event. The last two-thirds of Acts, almost zero. There are almost zero cases of God speaking, doing miracles, and that's, that's the book of Acts. You'd think of it at any time in human history, there'd be like a lot of this sort of God gesticulating all around them, but, but it's actually not happening. And yet we have this perception, I think a false perception, that God's sort of speaking all the time through the Bible, but in fact God isn't. So if we're not experiencing God every day in the 21st century, we're actually not alone. It's actually not, it's not that we're somehow broken. It's, it's that this is actually the way that God has chosen to interact. It, it's amazing to me how bad theology, when it comes to God being active and God speaking, can lead long term to religious cynicism. Yes. I mean, I, I, I was raised and I raised my kids in, in, in churches that were, uh, <clears throat> let's just say that, that really uh, took seriously and preached hard the idea that God speaks at every opportunity. And so somebody would stand up and speak for God uh, during the course of uh, nearly every service at times. And the odd thing was that he, um, he seemed to repeat himself a lot. He seemed to use the same <laughs> vocabulary a lot, right? The same people a lot? Yeah. Same people. Uh, he didn't challenge us a great deal. Uh, used a lot of antiquated language. And I'll tell you what, I would, I could, especially when I was a pastor, I could find my way to, to I could theologize myself and love, kind of love the congregation past the apparent inconsistencies. My kids, especially when they hit adolescence, started to rebel against the whole thing, and they began to say, "Wait a minute." And it can lead to this cynicism that says, "You know what? God never speaks." Right. Well, because if, if we only give people the option that the, the way of Jesus involves 
regular ecstatic experiences of God. That's, that's what it is. It's defined mm-hmm. by that. And if the pageant defines it that way, then when I get to the point where I actually reflect on my life and I say, well, I'm not willing to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm either going to, I either need to have those ecstatic experiences now or I need to quit. Yeah. And that's all, that's all, that's a horrible dichotomy to leave yeah. people yeah. with. And so that's why it's like, well, then maybe we should start talking in a way that's more consistent with reality or more consistent with our experience, not just our experience, but the human experience across time and space. Mm. That's the hope. There are a lot of strange hopes that, that mess with us. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on so much of Christian churchianity is things need to be fixed to prove that God loves us, where that presupposition a, denies almost every story in the Bible where everything goes very wrong for most people following Jesus, and the fact that if we lived with Eden, if Eden was all we had, it wasn't enough because it was a Christless, Redeemerless place, that this teeny period of our existence is the only chance we get to view and experience God in the midst of brokenness and suffering— so the Buddhists seem to have like a leg up on Christians in accepting that fact. So give some reflections on those presuppositions we grew up with. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's a huge question and you know what I, I, I personally, I do not have an answer for why did God push the button on setting time in motion under the sun? I, I don't have an answer for it. Uh, in many ways, it seems incredibly cruel. Um, just talking straight, from my limited perspective, under the sun, I can't, I can't see it. So, what is faith there for? See, if, so often faith is defined by well, faith is defined by I need to figure out the answer to that question. I need some intellectually satisfying answer to why did God push the button of time and send this thing in motion? This thing, and for us to talk about it, a bunch of first century educated males that have this conversation or 21st century, um, the kind of pain that I experience, I mean, there, there are people who are going through unbelievably catastrophic pain right now, every day, mm-hmm. where they live and what they go through. Why would God set this in motion? Why are there tsunamis? Why do, why do planes fly into buildings? Why is there famine? Why is, why is there terrorism? Why, you know, what the heck? Are you tell me God didn't foresee all this stuff when he, when he pressed the button on time? Well, of course. We, I mean, we have to believe that God had an understanding of, of where, what was going to unfold here. So what is faith? Faith is not saying, I'm going, I have the answer. I can philosophically explain why this is going down. Faith is to say, God, I, I, my faith is placed in a person, not in a concept. My, my, my faith is placed in Christ, not in an explanation. So Jesus, I just assume you have the answer. And someday when you see fit, you're going to explain it to me. And for now, I do have to live in a Buddhist way, in a very sort of Buddhist frame sort of thing. I have to live within the silence. I have to live within the shadows of this time. And the scriptures are full of that. The groaning in Romans 8. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the, sort, the sort of lost answerlessness of um, Ecclesiastes. I mean, these, these are themes that, that saturate the scriptures. And I will groan. I will groan. And I will groan with my human neighbors, both across the street and across the world. And I will groan with my non-human neighbor, neighbors, who, just like in Romans 8, where the cosmos is groaning along with us mm-hmm. for the full redemption of God's people. 
we will groan together. And that's, and that's really the symphony where we know we're not alone. So is, is that the whole thing, though, is the reason that I have a hard time sitting in that quiet, unknown space with God? Is it, is it simply because of the paradigm that's been created, the, the pageant experience? Is that it, or is there, is there more to it? Well, I think what, what we've done, as always happens with religion, seemingly, is we have so um, wedded our cultural values with what we think religious experience should, should feel like. So therefore, it should be immediate gratification. It should be entertaining. It should be ecstatic and uh, sort of a sensory experience. It should sure, be... Sure on my terms, it should be individualistic. It should be, you know, so we've wedded all those things into it. So, um, so one of my hopes for the book, and it's actually where the book ends is, um, there's a, there's a Cherokee word that I'm sure I'm going to botch, but I think it's Unai Tla Nahi, I think is the Cherokee word. And that, and what it means is it's sort of a a foundation of Cherokee spirituality. And it means the one who is behind everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the places I want to move people to is I'm, is I'm a more, um, I would argue, more historical, more, dare I say, indigenous or tribal, right? Twelve tribes of Egypt. When we talk tribal, we're talking about all people. Um, a more tribal way of seeing God where I am still in my spirit. I am attentive to the non-ecstatic, the non-individualistic, the non-immediate gratifying ways that God is at, in, in all things at all times, and then I can I sort of walk in that, and be and just kind of be okay with the fact that it, it doesn't show up on a big screen TV. It's not God um, with an electric guitar in my ear. It's 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 the quiet God. It's the still God in all things, yeah. and therefore the participation with my neighbors, both my human and non-human neighbors, become essential to that as I walk forward through life. That's part of the hope. So this is not God is my personal valet, right? Uh, right. right. Uh, God, 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 God who not. cannot be summoned, right. right? Yeah, that's what bothers me. We do these invocations. It really bothers me how often we just summon God, or oh, you want to make me mad? Start a service, <laughs> God. We invite you into this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so angry. <laughs> so angry. Like, we invite God. Where on earth? But you, I hear that prayer constantly. Yeah. God, yeah. We invite you. Spirit, we invite. No, my scriptures are clear. The Spirit is ever inviting us, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. 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 So, how uh, am I clear now? Yeah. Am I yeah. back to clear? Excellent. We've got Aaron. Uh, you know, I think about times where. We read scriptures through the lens of an Isaiah or a Jeremiah who were connected in this uh, very personal and explicit way with God, but God used them because he was not, he was communicating through them, not explicitly doing what he did with Isaiah, with everybody else, the millions of people in Israel. So how do we readjust our thinking? Because I think some of some listeners can hear you and say, well, wait, I, I see in Scripture I'm supposed to... God gave me his words so I could claim it. You know, they became our, our magic words, our invocations. 
by which God has to respond to us because I have the right Bible verse? How do we live in a way that, say, someone during Jeremiah's time or Isaiah's time, uh, how do we shift our thinking more to that and stop using the Bible to manipulate God? Well, I think that's that's part of why I wrote the book, because I just want to go, I just want to say, maybe we really are missing it. Maybe we are putting our emphasis on the wrong syllable of, of Scripture, and we are accentuating Isaiah 6 so high that we forget that the rest of Isaiah, that's not, that kind of stuff's not happening, and all the people around Isaiah, it's not happening to, and stop fixating on 12 verses and saying, this is the thing that defines encountering God. That's a phenomenal story, and we can experience faith through that story, but I don't think God intended that story to define anything normative. Matter of fact, it's its uniqueness that makes it so powerful. So let's let's identify it as unique. So that's that's the hope. And then, and then if I, I, I'm deeply concerned about Christianity in America, I am deeply concerned. And I I'm I'm not like a lot of my peers. I very I refer to myself as a Christian. I I refer to myself as a member of the Christian Church. I don't use flowery language like. Jesus is my guru or something. I just say, I am. I'm a Christian. I, I want the Christian church to grow. But in my neighborhood, nobody, nobody's going to church. And why? We have, we have no voice left. And part of that is because we're not speaking consistently with actual human experience or actual spiritual experience. People are tired of it. And they're gone. I live in, some people say, America, North America's first post-Christian city. And it's true. And so what's, what's it going to take? to root our faith in reality so that it doesn't feel like a fairy tale. Yeah. So what it, what is step one for a listener who is at a church and the pageant is going on mm. and you're not saying, hey, just get out of the church or abandon your faith. You're saying engage it. But what is step one when they don't have any control over the pageantry? Um. Well, I, I guess step one would be to start asking honest questions in whatever forum they have access to. And that could be in the foyer before and after church, sitting and saying, I don't, ex- I don't feel what the pastor was saying. How about you? Or this is what's going on in my story. Or here are the doubts that I'm feeling. I, f- I feel like – so I, w- I was raised in a conservative Baptist church. In all of my developmental years, all the way up into my 20s and probably through my 20s, I received in a thousand subtle, unspoken ways affirmation when I answered everything the right way, mm-hmm. when I was a poster child for triumphalistic Christianity, mm-hmm. hasn't figured out, does the right thing. And anytime I even leaned towards doubt or leaned towards questions, I would get sort of a a slightly furrowed brow or sort of a slight disappointment. I learned very early on, if I want to be affirmed in the church, I had better say things the right way. And um, that was, that was for a guy like me, whose brain is really warped. Like that was a prison for me to be in. And um, when I was released, you just go, no, I, I have serious questions about this stuff. I don't think it works out that way. That's where my freedom started to be produced. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I want to encourage people to just start to have the conversation. Say what you actually think. How about we actually treat God like a person and not like an ideology? Because a person I can get angry at and you're supposed to get angry. 
Matter of fact, I would argue to love means we have the capacity to be angry in equal amount. So if I actually love God as a person, I should be able to engage angrily, frustrated, sorrowful, all those things, because any real relationship has those things. And so begin to talk in those ways. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I gotta stop you. You're just this is evil. God would never endorse, like the book of Psalms clearly states, never address real emotions to God. Not anger ever. Psalm eleven. Let's close in prayer. Amen, brother. Uh, what you're talking and uh, in, in my mind has to go to Psalms because that is the book that God gave us of human expression of emotions back towards him. Yeah. Right. So is that, is that where we learn the liturgy of emotional prayer? It's, it's one of the places. Yeah. I mean, I can name a few others. I think Job will give you a little bit and I think Ecclesiastes <laughs> gives you quite a bit. And you know, there's, there's several places I, yeah. and uh, I see a lot of emotions through the gospels, but I mean, I just, I, I'm teaching a preaching class right now at Warner Pacific college here in Portland where I'm on faculty. And last night we were, I was teaching on the Psalms with them. And I said, I said, rule number one, when you're, anytime you're teaching a psalm, is not asking what theology is contained here. If you ask the question, what theology is contained here, you are missing the psalm. The primary question is what emotion is saturating what's going on here. And if you can, if you can connect with the emotion and if you can connect your, your audience to the emotion, you've already done 70% of what the, what the psalm exists for. Mm-hmm. And a third of those are psalms of a lament of some kind, which is anger, sorrow, pain, yeah, yeah. doubt, um, deep, deep confession of sin. Like if you, can, if you can connect with that and articulate the emotion to your congregation or your audience, you've already, you've already fulfilled. And, that's, and that is true, I would argue, true God faith, true Christianity. Yeah. yeah. I'm intrigued by the subtitle of the book. Um, you know, uh, the God who hides, it's kind of a disturbing phrase. Like he's playing hide and seek as though there's, there's, there's something very intentional about it and at times maybe even malicious. Is that uh, – do you feel as though God does hide from us? Because, you know, my, my, uh, my upbringing theology would say God's always in plain sight. If, uh, if, if you don't see him, it's just because you're not in the right place. So yeah. get yourself back in the right place so you can see God. It's, it's always, always your fault. Yeah. Let God off the hook Let again. Let God off the darn hook it. again. Darn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we have to say that God hides. Um, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't erase that Cherokee idea I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. The one behind everything. Right. But behind implies right. Hidden. You, have to, you have to sort of – that there is a hiding going on. There is, there is a cloakedness to it. And um, – and I don't, I don't know, I don't know how else we can have the conversation than to say that God hides from us. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God clearly, we look through Scripture. God clearly has the ability to show up. You know, right? We, he does burning bushes. He does fiery chariots. Uh, God does incarnate. Um, yeah. God does these things, and yet in my life, I've never seen a burning bush. I've never seen a flaming chariot. God has chosen to go. All right, all right, Tony. At least in my case. Um, you've, you've got to kind of figure this thing out and there, there'll be moments when I come and I'll hold your hand, but by and large, you're going to have to figure this thing out. And that sounds a little bit like faith. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the underlying fear has to be, uh, Nate, what you're talking about, the underlying fear must be if God hides, then he is not good. He doesn't love. So what do you? how do you connect? No, God still passionately loves me and still chooses this path to reveal himself. Right. Well, I think... I think it's interesting that um, where where to go with this. Um, on one level, back to the what do we do with all the pain in the world? I I I, I, I kind of have to release the question a little bit and just go, God, I'm going to trust you with that. But like Jesus tells the story of the ten virgins, and the story is about the betrothed one on a long journey, and they got no access. They got zero access. They're just watching the horizon. And that's the story of the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. Watching the horizon. For the one who deeply loves you, the one who has said, I want to, I want to be with you for eternity, mm-hmm. is not there, is not present. And so that seems, that seems like one of the ways that God has chosen to frame life under the sun. And um, I, I, quite frankly, I don't, I don't want to answer it with some soundbite, uh, fortune cookie answer. Uh, he does it because wisdom is found in the darkness or faith is found in the shadows or, you know, something. I'm just going to go, but that's the way God's done it. And I'm sure that there's, that there's a very, very complicated and yet simple and profound reason. And somewhere it, it all adds up to love, but I don't, I don't know the pieces. Mm. Can his, uh, just the way you're talking takes me back to Job that Job has so many practical questions about pain and God shows up for his three and a half chapters of answers in which he addresses none of Job's 35 chapters of questions. He simply says, I am this. So just trust me. Uh, Yeah. And interestingly, um, God's answer in that, uh, uh, from my experience is, uh, any Cherokee would be very satisfied with. Yeah. Who, who, who stored the snow in blah, blah, blah? Who, 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 where did the behemoth come from? Where did the blah, blah, blah? Where were you and I? Where were you and I? And any, you know, would go, yes, okay, that's a great answer for God. And, and, and where to find God? Boy, that, that's, I might be going too far there for your audience. <laughs> Our audience. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ah, don't sell our audience short. We've been <laughs> yeah, pushing hey, our audience. And yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I am not a pantheist. <laughs> I might be a panentheist, but I'm not a pantheist. <laughs> All right. Well, the book is aloof. It is coming out January. Pre-order today. It makes a great Christmas present. That's not a, that's <laughs> not a Friday, is it? Okay. <laughs> and there's illustrations in it, right? There's pictures. Yeah. Okay, so if you like pictures better than words, there's something for you. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Uh, Jonathan Case, who's a who's a graphic artist for DC and for Dark Horse and a bunch of other graphic novel companies, um, he did the illustrations. They're fantastic. They uh, they undergird this this uh, theodicy concept. Mm. So one of the things that book does is it sort of walks through how to process your experiences with God in the different seasons of your life. And isn't it great that God doesn't treat us the same at all times? He treats us like human beings who grow and change through the seasons of life. So if you obviously know that Batman is way better than Superman or the X-Men, you'll like this book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So, is that the summary? <laughs> Put that on the back cover. <laughs> well, Batman guy though. No, no, no. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, taking some time from your morning and allowing us to join you there in the dining room. Uh, we we love this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, anytime. Call. Let's do it. And again. I, I want to schedule another one so that we can talk about the merits of Batman versus Superman because I have right. distinct opinions. Okay. <laughs> Definite opinions. All right. You're all going to hell. That's <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Tony. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. And we'll be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, I heard today from some fellas who were trying to get uh, a meeting rolling in uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, wanting to get the word out, and I thought, shoot, we're coming in here to the to the, to, to record the podcast. Why don't we just give them a call? Yeah, and it might be the most efficient way to get it out. So we'll do that now. We'll make a call. See if we can get Jeff Reeve on the line. He and Kevin Adams are getting something going down there. Hey, is this Jeff? It is. Yeah, Jeff, this is Nate Larkin calling from the Pirate Monk Podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good, good. I got you I got your recording. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Okay. I understand you and Kevin Adams are uh trying to get a meeting started there in Marietta outside Atlanta. Is that true? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh well tell us first of all exactly where is Marietta in relation to Atlanta? Atlanta is a kind of a big metropolitan place. Right, right. Marietta is, I'd say, probably about 20 miles northwest of Atlanta, outside of the perimeter. Okay. Um, really, really one of the bigger suburbs of Atlanta. And uh, I actually live a little further north, but I work in Marietta. And, uh, and then Kevin lives in Marietta, so we're, we were kind of finding a common place. Okay. And what are some of the other towns around there that are within fairly easy, easy driving distance? Well, I'd say for sure uh, Kennesaw, uh, Ackworth. That's where I live in Ackworth. Okay. Probably uh, uh, Dallas, Georgia, and maybe Cartersville. Those, are, those will be some of the closer ones. Okay. All right. So if there were any guys, any any uh, fellas listening to this podcast who live in any of those towns or know somebody uh, within our circles who are in those towns, this would, uh, th- there's a possibility now that they might actually be able to get a, yeah. get a meeting going. 
Have you guys found a meeting place yet? Uh, well, not a permanent one. We actually, uh, funny enough, we met at the public library uh, right um, near downtown Marietta. Uh-huh. Um, I just I, I called him and I said, you know, can I reserve a room? And so uh, they had plenty available, so we just met at the library last night. Wow, <laughs> that's cool. That is sweet. Yeah. Okay, it's a good idea. And then uh, get in there, they'll let you. And then, yeah, is there a good place close by for the meeting after the meeting? Oh yeah, we're we're about two blocks from downtown Marietta, and there's tons of great restaurants, oh. bars, and and all kind of good stuff. So, all yeah. right. So what we're talking about is a nice meeting room there at the public library in Marietta, and then plenty of choices for a meeting after the meeting. And we got some motivated guys, yeah, who are who uh, are looking for brothers who want some noble brotherhood. There you go. All Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, we're really trying to get it going. Okay. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, you listeners, even if you know if you're not from Atlanta, but you know somebody in that area, uh, somebody you've passed the book to, somebody you've had one of these conversations with, uh, let them know that something's happening over there. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, I would say, you know, I, I actually just uh, since this is happening so quickly, just this morning I added a group to the uh, Samson site. Okay. Um, there you go. But it said it was pending approval or something, so maybe okay. you know. I will take care uh, of that as soon as we hang up. It's a it's a tough <laughs> five step approval process. <laughs> Your application better be in order. <laughs> please, please don't do a background check. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, God bless you, Jeff. We'll be praying for you and for the brothers you know and for the brothers you haven't met yet, Marietta. We're excited that you guys are stepping up to get something going there. That's great. I appreciate it. Okay. Lord bless you. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Thanks. Oh, pirate's life is a wonderful life, a roving over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer. It's the life of a pirate for me. Oh, the life of a pirate for me. Okay. Well, we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Another thought-provoking, stimulating, and only slightly disturbing conversation with another brother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you miss the days when we had all the answers and we tied it up with a pretty bow at the end? Uh, no, 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 because no. I never felt that. And I like that's being right. In, I like being invited into the question. Ah, me too. Yeah. I was being sarcastic, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, there's this that, that was, uh, yeah, it was it was like eating frosting all the time, right? Hmm. Right. Yeah. It tasted good going down, but it left you hungrier and thirstier, and it was not satisfying. Yeah, kind of like, sick. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we get a little frosting now and then, but mostly we're going to try and go for something more substantial here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And I do trust that these conversations, which uh, are not commonly held in the Christian community, are of service to you, the listener, as you strive to live a more real, more authentic, more Christ-centered life. Uh, Well, new email address. Oh, we have a new email address. You know, I got to think about this. We've had two email addresses, neither of which exactly made sense. Right. 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 Yeah. So we've been. Uh, so we. I've scrapped both of those email addresses. Okay. All right. And we're going to make it real simple. Real so simple. All we you would people... love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, all you have to do is just send an email to Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com. Wow. So all you people. <laughs> 
<laughs> you thousands and thousands of people that have been bombarding the inboxes, both of them, with emails, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Send them to the new email Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And it was available, which stunned me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, sure, I would have to be pirate monk podcast 56 at yeah. gmail.com <laughs> yeah. but no we got the, we got the real one good good all right so we're going to look for your we're going to look for your letter and look write to us if you like what we're doing write to us if you don't mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and hit us up on the facebook page that's a great way to let us know what you think that's right a great way to interact with us email facebook twitter uh, that's right, yeah. right, 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 right. If if at this point you have been so uh, trained by modern technology that all of your communications are limited to 140 characters, then tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we'll see. You. Uh, Aaron has already signed off. Uh, I'm Nate. I'm Newton. I'm Mondo. And we'll see you next time on the Pirate Monk Podcast.